Welcome to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. Sam Brown is one of the very few marketing strategists whose expertise is solely in the promotional products business. Sam has been the chief marketing strategist at some of the most notable brands in the industry, including Summit Group and Brand Via. And prior to that, for years, not only founded but ran an innovative boutique distributor agency that was way ahead of its time. Sam is both a high-level thinker and a pragmatist whose marketing prowess has a deep impact on sales. And as a driver of sales growth, Sam and her company Proven Strategists have now partnered with CommonSkew to help distributors on the CommonSkew platform build an impactful marketing strategy for their business. Today, we talk with Sam about marketing strategy, making investments in marketing, tactics, execution, and results. Hi, friends. I'm Bobby Lehu, Chief Content Officer at CommonSkew. One quick note. Here at CommonSkew, we released a beautiful new product mock-up tool. Now, you know how it is creating mock-ups for merch for clients. It's cumbersome, time-consuming, and painful. With CommonSkew's product mock-up tool, crafting beautiful mock-ups for your clients has never been easier. All you need is a product image and your logo, and we'll handle the rest. It's a tool so easy, anyone can do it quickly. There's no design expertise required, no more delays while waiting for art, and no more paying for simple tasks. You can create awe-inspiring, tailored images for your clients that plug right into presentations and shops in just a few clicks. And here's the magic. It's one more part of our seamless operating system that takes you from ideation to presentation to final production without having to use a half dozen different tools. Say no to exhausting context switching and yes to the one word you need more in your life, easy. It's just another way CommonSkew elevates your client experience. Check it out at commonskew.com slash product mockups. And now here's my chat with Sam. We're going to talk about marketing and we're going to talk about marketing with someone who's obviously had an incredible track record in the industry as a distributor who is now doing this for distributors of all kinds of sizes, companies. But I thought we could break down our conversation today into a couple of quadrants like strategy, investment, execution, but let's start with strategy. So what do you think is the number one mistake most distributors make with their marketing, even the good ones, when it comes to strategy? It's such a rich environment. I really, so I, I want to preface that answer with not everybody does everything wrong and not everyone does everything right. And so there are so many different answers for the questions that I know you're going to bring to me today. Okay. And I will try to do my very best. But like everyone else, I'm on a journey. I'm learning as I go. I have 20 some years experience in this industry, mm -hmm. having been a distributor, bought and sold distributorships, sold them, went to marketing for some of the bigger guys, started working on my own. So you, you know my history. Someday I'll probably never write a book, but I pretend to. So <laughs> with regards to that, that piece that I think a lot of companies miss is that piece where our industry is based kind of in this old world mentality. Like we were in this, and so what's happened, and we've seen it kind of exponentially or, or very rapidly change over the last four years, is that marketing has had to take the lead because sales really couldn't leave their house. So stuff that they knew was traditionally a sales responsibility 
right. networking, going to meet people, a lot of the, the industry just, just couldn't figure out exactly how to do it. And these are amazingly talented salespeople that were literally tripping up over, well, now what do I do? And so what really became, um, I think, important and will continue to, to lead importance when it comes to marketing is that building of community and connecting the community to the company. So we're kind of, and I, and I don't want salespeople to revolt when I say this, there's this element where the, the company has to reach right to the buyer, right? So right to our buyers and talk to them from the company perspective. So my company is proven. So proven wants to talk to my end users and I don't want to have to go through a sales force because that makes me as a company, having been an owner and still an owner now, very vulnerable to what is going on in every individual's lives or mm. the cycle of where their life is. And so as a company, a lot of organizations will just keep investing in, in enabling the salespeople, drive the salespeople, drive the salespeople, educate the salespeople, educate the salespeople. But what, what I've seen success in even pre-COVID was the idea of, well, what if I just talk to the end user? And what if I just educate the end user? And that will drive the conversations like lead gen back into the company mm. with the information. Me as the marketer, I want them to be asking. So if I want to position an audience as experts in uh, social responsibility, if I start talking as a company to the end user as social responsibility or giving back or eco, however you want to look at it, then all of a sudden we as a company are seen that way. I don't have to make 10, 12, 15, 25, 35 salespeople understand it because that takes a long time. I just need yeah. to plant the seed in the sales in the in the in the buyer's mind that we know that. So the salespeople in the, in the pre-COVID days, let's call it that, salespeople were the only conduit really toward the, to, to the audience for the most part. Whereas now, because of the digital landscape and because marketing has sort of taken a lead a little bit in, in biz dev and lead gen in particular, now you have more flexibility to control the tone, voice, and message. And even the products we sell, mm. right? right. Right. So, and, and I would say I've, I beta tested this with some of our clients as early as 2015, mm -hmm. where we started working directly with communicating to the, the end audience. So not pushing it through the sales team and not having to get the sales team's attention when, of course, they're trying to juggle customer communications projects, right, you know, things that keep them on fire all the time. But yeah. now I would actually have to ask for their attention on learning something additionally new aside from the supplier product knowledge session. So when we just started talking to the customer about what the customer was interested in, or we thought they'd be interested in, so talking really about positioning, about trend, what the, the buyer mindset, we talk a lot about that at Proven, where how do we make our message relevant to the audience of the customer or the audience of the distributor is how we look at it now. Hmm. Did I answer your question? You totally answered my question. And this also speaks to the incredible number of people that are either rebranding or they're refurbishing their marketing materials or websites. They're completely re-engineering the way they go to market. And we have seen, you know, there's been lots of studies. Gartner produced a study that something like 80% of B2B buyers will want to purchase through a digital channel of some kind. It doesn't mean they want to go through a shopping cart, but they will have some digital experience of some kind. So now we're seeing distributors probably making the investments in this marketing that we haven't seen traditionally before, because also we'll get into this more in the conversation. That's also where the investment has been, has been traditionally to the sales force and not enough investment on the marketing side. 
We just concluded our CEO summit and Vern, whom we both know, both great friends of ours, was a part of this. And one of the things that we discovered was that everyone in the room, this is a CEO summit, by the way, for what I would call mid-sized distributors. Um, they're not one or two or three licenses. These are folks that are typically have five licenses to 15 licenses. You know, their revenue can be anywhere from five, three, five million to 15 million. Yep. And those are just general parameters. But one thing that everyone struggled with was business development. And most people in this industry has, have always struggled with keeping a pipeline full of leads. How do you see, and this is such a big question, Sam, how do you see marketing fix that problem today different from? Well, I'm happy to say marketing fixed it before COVID. So I know it's still going to work okay. now after right. COVID because it, it didn't, it's not new to us. It may be new to many distributors. And that was really the previous question we talked about, what were a lot of companies not doing? Well, they relied on the salesperson before, mm-hmm. but companies who took advantage of relying on marketing lead gen previously, and think of a lot of the tech enabled firms that I'm sure come to mind that I don't need to market for them. So I won't bother mentioning their names. But, you know, they populate on the first page of most Google searches when you talk about merch. Um, those guys already did that, right? They, they seized when the rest of us were still literally seizing, trying to figure out what to do next. But when we talk about that, so we have the cyclical sales, traditional sales cycles, right? You get busy. You don't market anymore because you're so busy you can't possibly stop. And then, of course, when it's no longer busy, let's say, let's say January, right? It's not busy anymore in January. You're starting a new year. You've made new resolutions. Then all of a sudden you're like, this year I'm going to do it better. I'm going to do it differently. But of course, um, having sat in the distributor owner seat for too many years where I was trying to figure out how to do all the things, like ride all the horses or wear all the hats, whichever analogy you'd like, you just can't do them all well. And so really I have to say, because we've seen great success in coming into organizations and really supporting them where they need it, so unique to each distributor, but we've been able to to steady the curve, if you might. So marketing yeah. is thinking about how we're going to market in January. You do, you do that in October. You don't do it January 5th when you come back from holiday. You right. can't, yeah. right? It just doesn't turn fast enough. Mm. And you, the sooner you plant the seeds like anything in farming, you plant the seeds three years ago, it may blossom into a gigantic tree three years from now. You may get little you know things grown out of the ground over the years. But you can't just all of a sudden decide you want it now and have it grow today. So, you know, we do provide through our our services really that support so that we can focus on something in the time we have allotted so that when the gaps come, we've already planted those seeds for you. And, you know, we'll pull teams in. We'll do however different types of campaigns, if you might, where we enable the team and we get them engaged. So it's not marketing solo doing it, but we're... They were there to support the teams, but example, we just did something for our friend Fern, where we set the team up to be ready October 2nd to do a big push for holiday. They didn't have time in August and September because they were busy, but marketing was doing that kind of back-end prep work, marketing, campaigns, connecting, all the things. And then when the event literally unloaded on October 2nd, they just had to show up. They didn't need to be involved in the pre-planning, which a lot of us sitting in these multiple chairs or multiple hats, horses, whichever my analogy was, they just they don't have time to do both drive the sales and decide, you know, in two months, I want to market breast cancer. Well, if you come out in October, but talking about breast cancer, you're, you're too late to market to breast cancer. Yeah. 
Is that also because we're obviously a very deadline-driven business, as you know very well, and we tend to we tend to these cycles really do get us. So when the cycle gets slow, that's when we go. You know what? We should start thinking about marketing. We should start marketing now when things get slow. And it's always and it's always it's interesting beast because then business picks back up, and then what drops off is our marketing. And so it's just a vicious cycle of strategizing and then not executing and strategizing and not executing. And it's kind of an exhausting cycle. I know I've been through it many times myself, so it's really tough. Let me ask you this about the investment. And I know this is such a general question, <laughs> but do you see companies, if you were to sit down with the business owner, every company is going to be different, but do you have a general idea of what companies should be investing in their marketing? What distributors in particular should be investing in their marketing? They were so used, we're so used to spending money on payroll and salespeople and the investments there. Mm -hmm. But is there a percentage of net profit, gross profit? Is there anything like that that you use as an indicator for what we should start with? So I'm going to answer the question this way, because there isn't one number that applies to all the audiences, okay. right? We've got distributors that are, you know, under a million dollars. You've got distributors that are over $50 million. Right. If I give you a percentage, it would be grossly disproportionate. Okay. Sure. Right? Yeah. But what I would say was when it comes to starting out, it, you know, if you think about the smaller, the smaller shops where they know they need the help, but they're also trying to do, they're riding more horses than the other people because there's just not enough resource. Yeah. And so I would say, you know, the smaller organizations could could probably get away with less than a full-time person in the way of marketing support, right? So if you were to think, if you were to get a 20% of a, of a full-time employee in whatever your demographic economy dictates, if you had someone who knew what they were doing and had a, had comfort in, you know, who was what, like, so what the end buyer was, what the distributor is, what the supplier situation is, how the buyer thinks. So the mindset piece, which is obviously a lot of what we bring to the table then I think you can get away with like 20% of a person. So does that help those people yeah. give a number? And as you get bigger, of course, the larger the machine, the more departments you have to navigate through in order to make a campaign fluid. So yeah. marketing touches everything. I believe you believe as I do that marketing yeah. is not only in the sales world, but it also touches employer brand. So then we have to talk to HR and then we have to talk about comp and benefits and it really becomes, I use the word prolific and some people get upset. But it, I think it's invasive. Marketing isn't, it goes everywhere. Yes. Right. It's PR. Anyway, so, so stop that. So when you get into these bigger firms, I think it makes sense that you're looking at that. And, you know, I, I've, we've worked for firms that are, let's say they do between the 20 and $40 million mark. And for something like that, I think one FTE, like one full-time equivalent salary wise for a marketing, let's call them a manager. Cause I don't know if nomenclature matters. I think that is probably the kind of support you might need in that environment, yeah. but not everyone wants to jump in. Not everyone can find someone. Like, I have to tell you, there aren't a lot of industry marketers out there. I think I know two, right. and I count myself one. Right. And the other one just got hired at PPAI. Right. <laughs> right. Well, part of your, part of the reason I love of your answer is because I think we tend to think. I, I think we tend to think that we can throw money at marketing in a very ad hoc way, whereas what you said was that someone needs to own marketing, whether that's 20% of someone, but someone needs to own that strategy for the business because it's a very entrenched role in the business. It's not like you can just pop in and do something for a day and then leave. You're, you're deeply involved in the organization and their mission and their values and everything that's happening. So it sounds like you're saying somebody needs to own that investment. 
I would say someone needs to own it. I disagree that you can't pop in for a day, but we can talk about that later. Sure. Okay. Is there, talk to us about strategy versus execution. I think there's a lot of us dreamers and, and maybe a quagmire for us is in the planning and we can fail at execution. Is there a quarterly, weekly, biannual marketing cadence or goal setting that we should be making with our marketing to keep it on track? So clients of ours will know that we try to reach out to their audience every three weeks, whether it's through a direct mail, an email, some sort of event, but we're always trying to be in front of them. Top of mind is always what we're aiming for because we don't want to miss that opportunity. So whatever the content is we're pushing out in front of that audience, for Mm -hmm. us, it's three weeks. We don't want yeah. to be too frequent because then we become stalkers. And if we become too infrequent, that makes room for the competitors to get in. Mm-hmm. Does that three weeks take the form of, it could be anything, it could be any any t- tactic, it could be email, it could be a, a physical campaign. When you say three weeks, is that just how you need to make sure at a minimum that you're in the customers? That's what we, that's what we are aiming for. Right. With, okay. with what we're finding with most of our clients who aren't full-time marketers and most of our clients don't have full-time marketing teams, right. three weeks is something that we can support that they can manage because there's an approval process, there's graphics and art, you know? Yeah. So really okay. three weeks, just make sure that we're in front of their customer for them every three weeks, which, you know, Bobby, I think I actually saw you three weeks ago. Right. And it, <laughs> it goes fast, right? right? You're right. Like, I'm like, exactly. if you and I talked every three weeks, we'd be great, great friends point. in a year. Not yeah. that we're not. Right. So I, that's kind of that magic cadence is just to stay on top of them enough to be and, and provide something relevant at those three weeks. You didn't ask me that question. I can't just be like a knock, knock. I'm here. You want to buy some that's pens? A great point. Yeah. That can't be the outreach. It has to be something that's poignant. Yeah. And uh, that's a, probably that. another topic. That's fantastic. Is there such a thing as a tactic hierarchy? In other words, be sure you're doing at a minimum newsletters, self-promotion campaigns. No. What you can afford and actually execute. Okay. That be it. So emails are probably the least expensive way to reach out to your customers these days. Of course, you have to translate that 100% of the audience won't read your email, right? Read rates are super important. Analytics are one of my favorite topics of conversation these days. And just onboarding clients, we have to make sure that they understand Google Analytics, what that means, what different measurement types mean, because we like to report on those. And as I mentioned before, I find our industry is not quite as excited about big data as some of us in marketing. Right. And so we've got clients where we've been working with them for two or three years and, and we want to bring analytics into the conversation and they're not quite, they're just like, oh, oh, it's just not important. And then, so you'll see me and my team are always like, Great. What does the monthly report look like? And when with them, we'll bring up Vern because we've already mentioned Vern. We took over Vern's communications in April. And between April and we're now October, we went from a read rate of 19% from their previous supplier to 46% click rate. Love it. Wow. That's phenomenal. So, like, and that was just, you have to ask yourself what made the difference. Or you can call me and I'll tell you what made the difference. That's fantastic. No, I love it. That's fantastic. What do the best in the industry do very well with their marketing tactics that's either underappreciated or overlooked? Community. Hmm. I think your community is probably a great example of what has been built where you build that feeling of, I belong to a brand. I belong to a community. I'm understood and I see people like me there. I've seen it done with a few brands. And if you look around distributors in the space, 
they'll stick out in your mind and in the audience's mind when they think about it. Oh, I've, I've heard of this guys. They're really good for give back. These guys do a lot of social good and not necessarily because it's their name, but you know, there's organizations that are doing a really good job of just spreading their message. And it's, yeah. I, I think that's, what's going to make a difference. Those companies, my projection, if I was the bank of Canada, the projection would be that those companies will continue to grow no matter what happens to our economy, because mm -hmm. they've made that personal connection, right? They've made that love connection. I like to talk yeah. about marketing being like a relationship. Yeah. They've got, you know, stars in people's eyes and those companies have more room for error before that client will ever leave them. Yeah. Sam, you did a presentation at SKUCon, one of the first SKUCons. <laughs> it was an early one on where you talked about all the multiple touch points involved in mm. the business. And I'm sure that's mm -hmm. a part of your analysis where you look with the distributor, but how's it? I've always felt this way, probably just because I've been a distributor like you, and maybe I'm curious to get your opinion on this, but I've always sort of fought back against distributors are all the same, right? We're very distinct because we have distinct books of business, really. But how does a distributor begin to differentiate in this business with their marketing? <clears throat> so this is probably our biggest obstacle we have in working with clients. So I thank you for the question okay. is that we work with different types of like, so, so different, we work with all sorts of distributors and some suppliers, but they're all different. And I, I had this question last week with the woman I met in Austin who was interviewing proven to see if, you know, it was a good fit and we were chatting and she's like, how do you make sure my stuff is different from everyone else's? Hmm. And it's, it's a hard question to answer unless you'd know me well. So when I had my own distributorship, living north of the border. I know it's up north and scary up there. But I spent the first four years running my business trying to make it look like everybody else's so it felt legit. Not that it wasn't, but it's the, it's <laughs> right. the good old imposter syndrome, right? Oh, it's yeah. got letterhead and it's got this and it's going to look corporate. Like I had it making look very corporate. And I had this, I don't know, epiphany. And I think I talked about this once with you, but about four years in, the company was doing okay and we had made some good partnerships and allegiances over the years, but we weren't really exciting. And if you don't know me, I like to be exciting. I like to do exciting things. I have ADHD. Life has to be like out on the edge all the time. <laughs> so one thing I did is I actually, I sat back and I kind of reassessed what was I, what did I want from the company? Sorry, this is, I'll try to make this question even shorter, answer shorter, is that I may sell the same product as the person next door to me, but I don't have to do it with the same panache, attitude, environment, color, style, recommendations, right? You, Bobby, could come to me tomorrow and say, Sam, not that you'd need help. Sam, we have an event. What would you recommend? Right? Let's pretend when I had a distributorship. Right. And I'd be like, oh, I think we should do custom rocks glasses and let's put lipstick marks on them. And it would be like way out there. Right? Versus you can go to someone else who has the same position as I do who'd be like, oh, great, let's do crystal chargers and they will be very elegantly designed. So it's finding that a place where you're comfortable standing, but standing on your own, mm -hmm. like independent. You're not in the field with everyone else. You know, Outstanding in your field will always make me laugh. Well, if, if we're all busy standing in the field looking identical, then no one can find us in the damn field. <laughs> That's true. And so there was a great couple of Disney movies out there and I had kids at the right age at the time. And there was this one that talked about flying your freak flag. Yeah. And now I'm talking about work. So let's keep it in that place right, right now, right? Sure, sure. But stand for something, right? Simon mm -hmm. Sinek is one of my faves. And he talks about you, you better be ready to stand for something because if not, you stand for nothing. 
Hmm. And I'm not saying you have to take up a political mantle. It doesn't have to be anything like that. But just, you know, how do you stand apart if you're wearing beige and your flavor is vanilla? Yeah. So Sam, what services are distributors using your service for the most? Well, I wouldn't say there's a most, but we have a wide array that we kind of put out there. And so it starts for everything from building original email content. So just because they don't have time to consistently put out quality content, okay, that, that word's important. Anyone can put an email together for you. I think I have a 12-year-old that could do that if you just want an email out. Right. But if you want quality content that's relevant to the audience, that's kind of where we start. So emails, we do social media for clients. We always include analytics with our social media. We don't like to just build social just for fun. There are companies that do that. Trust me. We've got merch shops and collections we love to build. Probably why our friendship with Commonskew is working so well for us. We leverage your tool beautifully, I think, really maximizing kind of that. They've, They've got the tool that can do all sorts of great things for them. It doesn't just have to be a single client piece. We do merch collections, so we'll build direct mail kits for some of our clients because, of course, the cobbler never has shoes. So we facilitated that. And you always have time, right? Even when we work with some organizations, they just don't even, they have volunteers. The volunteers get busy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, your Christmas gift becomes a spring gift. Right. (laughs) Ever happened? Seriously. Like, it's happened every day. It's totally happened. Right? (laughs) And so our, you know, when we work with clients, if there's a timeline, a deliverable, we we don't miss it. Because that's our job. Right. We do digital collections. So we have lookbooks, trend books. We've done events. We've done digital and in-person events in the past. Websites. So we do industry websites. We do industry, industry websites built on background back, backbones of some of our associations here in the industry. We build custom sites with others that are made. Oh, and video work. I hmm. didn't even mention that. We've done a lot of video work most recently for a lot of our clients, especially in the last four years. We have um, an amazing yeah. videographer as part of our team. And that's phenomenal. I'm trying um, to think I, of what we don't do. Yeah. I mentioned in, in the intro the Commons Q Improvement Partnership. And for those that might not know, I'll back up just a minute. How would you f- define a fractional CMO? And why is the fractional CMO option ideal for our industry in particular? You might have already covered it a little bit in terms of the busyness of our distributors today. But how would you answer that? So fractional CMO is really a, a a part-time expert in a field. So just like a fractional CFO, some of our friends might have a fractional CMO is you're hiring that person for all their experience and expertise to help you with your vendetta, obstacles, dreams, what you're trying to accomplish. So you can bring them in in different iterations for different engagements, whether there's a certain deliverable like a scope or whether it's an ongoing commitment. We kind of run it a few different ways depending on the need of the customer. Why it's unique or Um, ideal solution for this space? Well, I don't believe there's a promo marketing agency in existence that isn't proven. I don't think there's one that only serves this market. I have come in behind general marketing agencies who've tried to serve distributors and suppliers in the space, and I've gotten that report that they sold for obscene amounts of money to tell you things that you, as part of this industry, eat, sleep, and breathe all day. So I look at those reports and I think, oh my gosh, I wish you'd called me before you spent this obscene amount of money because we could have helped. Like we could have offset that. And because we are all entrepreneurs at some level, whether you're a $50 million firm, you're, you're still trying to figure out the best way to run your organization, the best way to have an impact. But sometimes you just need someone to come in and go, 
you know, we have a marketing person. Are they doing the right thing? Because do. And we've worked with some great, really open-minded marketing people who called us first. So their boss didn't call us. They reached out and said, hey, Sam, I love that you've got all this experience. I come from a different industry. I really want to succeed here. Can you give us some guidelines to work with it? So that today. It totally answered the question. What, what can folks expect when they partner with Proven? Like what are the, some of the first things that you do as you engage with the new brand? <laughs> well, we do an audit. Fun. I, I hate accounting, so not that kind of audit. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we really start with an I feel for. And my favorite question is what is unique about your brand? Hmm. So don't curse at me. It's a hard one to answer. That's really the biggest challenge is what is unique about your organization? And the common answers I get are relationships, creativity, and custom sourcing. Oh, custom sourcing. Okay. Yeah. What brands or business leaders do you follow for inspiration? Are there any two or three that come to mind? So I have a bunch, I have a wall of quotes in front of me and it's always changing. So I'm a big Emerson fan. I think I told you that once. So it's not a business leader per se today. And one that we actually have on the front of our front door of our house since our kids were little, you know, what lies behind us, what lies before us are tiny compared to what lies within us. And Mm -hmm. so that one is one of my faves. I got to share. I'm currently loving studying Brianna Weist. If you've read any of her work, so she's Brianna Weist. You'll look it up. I know you. You're curious enough to write that up. Right. Yeah. Love her work. I do just finished Shonda Rhimes' book, which I liked, The Year of Change. I forgot that, was the, that wasn't the title exactly, A Year of Promise. About a girl coming out of her shell. Yeah. And really owning her life. Emerson, Roosevelt, I like his stuff. And I already mentioned Simon Sinek. Yep. What do you enjoy doing when you're not working? So I have two teenage boys, and I just okay. moved to a new state. I have a dog. And a fish, so and a husband, so I three kids really. If you think about it, some days he knows that. <laughs> so we're trying to make the most of living on the beach in California. So I learned to surf in the last few months uh, with you the boys. You told me that I love it. Wow, thanks. I'm a yogi, and so I thought it would be a lot easier than it is. And all the surfers laugh at me when I say, "I'll be fine. I'm a yogi." <laughs> but we do that, and we spend a lot of time at ice rinks and baseball diamonds. Mm, and of course. Um, Right. What was when I'm it? not, I'm traveling and I love to travel. So I'm looking forward to doing more of that in the next year. Yeah. What do you think it was about the difference with the yogi versus surfing? What was the biggest, what do you think is the biggest difference that you encounter? The floor doesn't move. This is impeccable <laughs> on the floor. On a board, my balance is garbage. <laughs> but right. it's easy either. Ever, yeah. Come to California, try surfing. If you don't, it's it's not that hard. It really. The worst thing is you fall in the water. It's, yeah. Okay. Okay. So biggest mentor in your life? My friend Mike. Hmm. Gotta tell you, he's he was a friend of my parents. He's always been a go-to for me. Super down to earth. I gotta tell you, he's always got words of wisdom. If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. He loves to say that to me on a regular oh, I basis. Love that. That's so good. Yeah. Is there any book, podcast, article, anything you'd recommend that made a huge impact on your thinking? I don't sleep much, so I read all night long. Right. So, so no. <laughs> Even that one I just mentioned with Shonda in it. Yeah. I have to go look at it. It's on my bookshelf over there. That one really just got me looking at things differently again. Yeah. It just 
and again, Brianna Weist. I love all of her stuff. Yeah, I love it. I'm going to check that out. Sam, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for spending time with us, educating us about marketing strategy and tactics. I really appreciate that. It's so good to talk with you again. I love being here, Bobby. I love any conversation with you. So three weeks from now, we'll stay in touch. <laughs> yeah, apparently we will because that's the new strategy. All right. Thanks, Sam. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of SKUcast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to SKUcast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.